Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. State outlast Texas 23-20 as Cameron Dicker failed to tie the game on a last-second field goal. Oklahoma State wins an absolute shootout over Texas Tech 50-44. And Baylor beats Kansas State 32-31 as Wildcat fans are left frustrated as Baylor hits a last-second field goal. Sends K-State back to Manhattan as they now drop to 4-4 in conference play. 4-5 overall on the season for Chris Kleiman and his Wildcats. Welcome in here to the 10 of 12 podcast. I am your host, Ryan Gilbert. Fun show coming up for you today. We've got Michael Swain from Cyclone Alert standing by. He'll be joining us to recap that Texas-Iowa State game um, that was back on Friday. So we're going to have to kind of dig deep here into our memories, and we'll talk about that one. We'll be talking about Texas Tech and Oklahoma State. That one, like I said, 50-44. to We had 94 combined points scored in that game. Um, you know, you could see the shootout coming, you know, high-powered offenses. Um, Oklahoma State's defense, I think you were expecting a little bit more from them, but Texas Tech does not get the victory. Oklahoma State's able to squeak by them by six points. Um, and then, of course, we've got Kansas State and Baylor. You know, K-State fans left and right are very frustrated, and rightfully so, with this team. Um, we'll be diving into all three of those games. Then, of course, we've got Kansas and TCU. They'd be remiss if we didn't mention them. 59-23 the final as the Horned Frogs beat up on KU in Lawrence. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at 10of12podcast. I'd appreciate that very much. You can stay up to date with everything going on around the Big 12 Conference with the latest updates and predictions, scores, highlights. It's all there on Twitter at 10of12podcast. Um, but without further ado, we'll go ahead and bring in Michael Swain. He is from Cyclone Alert. He does a great job covering Iowa State for the 24-7 Sports Network. Uh, Michael, how's it going today, man? I'm doing great. How are you? Another Monday. I know. We're getting through it, right? Um, we're going to have to reach back into our memory banks just a little bit here. Um, as Iowa State and Texas played back on Friday at 11 a.m., 23-20 to 20 was the final, like we said. Um, as Iowa State gets the victory, what are your initial thoughts and kind of takeaways from this game, Michael? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's just a, a massive win for Iowa State. They now have, like, a, I think it's a 99% chance to make the Big 12 title game. Um, they would have been able to clinch it had Kansas State pulled through against Baylor, but that didn't happen. So now it kind of comes down to basically, can Iowa State win this week against West Virginia? And then if they somehow don't win against West Virginia, then you're really looking at some interesting tiebreaker options that I honestly don't know every scenario. Um, there's some cool websites out there though, that have some scenarios that you can plot out if you're into that sort of stuff. But yeah, just a really big win for Iowa state, you know, obviously first win in Austin since 2010. Um, and I think just the way that the game happened too just makes you feel real good. You know, it's very similar to, I think the, the Oklahoma game where 
you look at Iowa State and they probably didn't play their best game, but they played really well in big moments and were able to come out with the win. Um, let's talk about Tom Herman here real quick. I, mm. There was a few questionable calls by Herman. I think the fake punt, we can all agree, was not the best call in the world. Um, his decision to go for it, though, on fourth down, was it one or two yards um, in the fourth quarter? I think that one was okay. I'm curious what you think about both of those decisions. And even, you know, there was, uh, I'm sure, plenty of other ones that we could talk about here. But, uh, you know, it's overall here. How did Tom Herman do in this game? Um, you know, I, I wasn't a fan of the, the two fourth down calls. Um, I think the first one, the fake punt, is more egregious just because yeah. at, at that place in the field, that time in the game, that felt like Texas trying to grab hold of the game because Iowa State was in this weird position where they came out to a really slow start. They basically took control in the second quarter and only let Texas run, you know, uh, several plays. I think it was less than 10 maybe in the second quarter. And then kind of that, that third quarter was when things were kind of in the balance. And I think Tom Herman probably knew that and felt the need to force the issue and make things happen. Um, And honestly, like special teams for Iowa state this year have been, really bad so you could understand why from a tom herman perspective why maybe you try and catch iowa state sleeping but it was a really good play from Roy walling who's been um a, a mainstay in special teams this season um but I, I think that was maybe more egregious than the fourth down call when they're deep into iowa state territory um just because at that point in the game that was really the drive where if texas scores a touchdown there that's almost the game mm-hmm. um, just based on the way things were happening and where we were. Um, and Iowa state didn't even really respond after they got that fourth down stop. You know, I think they got one first down maybe, and then they had to punt. And then that's when they came up with the real big defensive stop after that. But, you know, as for Tom Herman in this game, I just thought those were two decisions that, you know, for me personally, I, I like being aggressive. I, I'm all for going for it. I'm, I'm all for trying to force the issue just felt like maybe the circumstances for Texas, especially just with the fake punt, maybe weren't there. Um, I understand it more on the second one, but the first one was more egregious. Yeah, I'm with you on both of those. Um, and it's not all on Tom Herman. Okay, let's go back to that last play of the game. Um, Sam Ellinger took a sack and you know set him back five or ten yards, and then um, you know Dicker's stuck with what a 55, 60 yard field goal, and you know Cedric Parabis. All things were were equal. If that field goal was probably five or ten yards shorter it probably would have went in and we probably would have went into overtime just because that kick kind of had um, a, a nice, you know, curve to it at the last moment to for the miss. But, you know, so it's not all on Herman. I know Ellinger made some mistakes. Um, w- with that being said here, and we've kind of talked about it as well, but, you know, Texas had more yards than Iowa State by, you know, 15 or so. So I'm not saying that Texas was lucky to, I guess Iowa State wasn't lucky to win this game, but do you think they caught a break or two with what we've been talking about with the missed field goal, as well as, you know, Tom Herman's, um, let's, let's call them questionable coaching decisions, so to speak. So, you know, do you think that, that Iowa State was maybe a little lucky in this game? Um, uh, You know, I think the saying you make your own luck might fit into this just because I think maybe a theme of this Iowa State team has been able to overcome adversity. Um you look early in the season, the loss to Louisiana, that was obviously not good and not pretty, but I think the way that they've been able to bounce back from that has been big. You look at that Oklahoma game, they get down big in that game. Um, you look at the Baylor game, they get down big because of you know three Brock Purdy interceptions in the first half. In each one of those games, they're able to come back. Um, 
And I think for Iowa State, they've shown perseverance this season, and that's been a big theme for them. And I just think in that game, I think you saw Iowa State get off to a, a slow start. I think Matt Campbell's talked about it a little bit in our chances that we've gotten to talk to him. You know, he talked about the detail, and he's really big on executing, you know, and details and fundamentals. And looking back at that game, I've had the chance to, I think, watch over twice now. Um, it really struck me just how – not sloppy, but just how a step off Iowa State was in that first quarter. And I think Texas, um, you know, they, they were just so prolific in that first quarter with the way they were able to move the ball um, against that Iowa State defense. You know, they go for, what is it, 210 yards in the first quarter? You know, that, that's pretty ridiculous um, that they're able to gain that much. And I think just after that, I think you saw Iowa State kind of just settle in. Um, that was the big thing that I think I noticed was, you know, Brees Hall was able to get going after that. Um, the defense was able to really settle down. They slowed um, Sam Ellinger in the, in the run game. And, you know, I think Iowa State really just hung in there. They took Texas's really big blow early in the game. And I think they just kind of fought and fought and fought until at the end where they were able to take advantage of some of those mistakes that Texas had, whether it be, you know, the, the, fake, or the fake punt, Sam Ellinger taking the sack there before that final field goal. Um, you know, but I think Iowa State really just took advantage of the few moments that Texas gave them to get back into the game. I think they took them, and I think that's kind of been the story of Iowa State season, where if you give them a glimmer of daylight to get back in a game, they're going to take it. Overall, on the season, how confident are you know are you with Iowa State moving forward? I'm pretty confident, honestly. I think you look at the way that they've been able to overcome some big injuries. Um, they lost Trevor Downing, the starting. Um, left guard in the opening game of the season. And they've kind of shifted after that. Derek Schweiger moved from right guard to left guard. They brought a redshirt freshman in, Daryl Simmons, who's played really well this season. And then they also lost their starting right tackle, Joey Ramos, in that game against Texas Tech um, in the week after that Oklahoma State game or Oklahoma game. And they've been out, out with him too. So they've really been relying on two redshirt freshmen along the offensive line. And they've looked pretty good. And then you look out wide at the wide receiver group. You know, this wide receiver group isn't the same as it's been in recent years where you think about, you know, the crazy playmakers that Iowa State's been able to have where you've got guys like Akeem Butler, Alan Lazard, you know, guys that are able to go get their own on any given down. And Iowa State doesn't really have that guy right now. Sean Shaw is a, a contested catch machine, but the consistency maybe isn't there in terms of the ability to, to get open and, you know, and things like that. But, and with Tariq Milton being out, that's really been the big thing I think for this offense and they got him back against Texas and, you know, there, he brings something, he brings it like a, a dynamic feature to that wide receiver room that Iowa state just doesn't have, you know, they've got guys that can make contested catches guys that can run crisp routes, but they don't have someone that maybe can break the top off of a defense, make a guy miss on a screen pass, you know, do things like that that can help keep an offense going. And so I think now that they have Tariq Milton back, I'm really confident, you know, about how, what this offense can look like going into the last couple of games of the season. I think the big question is going to be, you know, can the defense kind of keep going the way it's been playing because it's been playing really well. You know, I think if you take away the non-defensive touchdowns that Iowa State's allowed because of special teams, you know, a, a pick six from Brock Purdy and a fumble six from Brock Purdy, 
you know, that defense is averaging, you know, about 21 points allowed per game, which is really good against big 12 opponents um, in most years. So, you know, it looks like we're shaping up for a Oklahoma Iowa state rematch in the big 12 title game. And I think if you're an Iowa state fan, I think you're confident going into that game, but I think a little wary too of Oklahoma getting, you know, two of their best defensive players back, you know, and they've looked really good down the stretch here too. You bring me into, you know, riding them the next point here. Let's assume that Iowa State and Oklahoma are meeting in, in the Big 12 title game. Mm. You know, what do we need to look out for? Um, and do you think that Iowa State has a real chance to win this game? If it's, if you ask me, I think that Oklahoma's um, playing some really good football. It's going to be really hard for anyone to catch them. I think that Iowa State and Kansas State really caught them at the right time early on in the season. Um, do you think that that is going to be, if it does happen, a Cyclone victory or a Sooner victory? Um, oh man, uh, put you on the spot. I don't know about <laughs> necessarily a, a prediction this far out, but I, I do think that it will be a, it would be a really good game just because I think if you look at that first matchup between the two teams, you know, Spencer Radler got off to a solid start in the game and it was a really, a, a really a game of coaching chess, if you will, you know, John Haycock of Iowa state you know, change things up. They started doing a little bit more of having kind of like a spy because Spencer Rattler was getting out of the pocket, making some, you know, Patrick Mahomes-esque throws down the field just with his ability to whip the ball downfield on the run. But um, I think that game would be fascinating just to see what both coaching staffs do to try and trick the other, put the other team in conflict. Because I think they're two of the best coaching staffs in the Big 12, just in terms of you look at the ability of, uh, being on the cutting edge of stuff. You look at what Oklahoma Oklahoma has done with their offense and, you know, adapting it to different quarterbacks each year. And then you look at Iowa State, what they've done with their three tight end sets and their ability to move the ball down the field with those three tight ends still. Um, and I think it would be just a fascinating matchup to watch and be really good for a national stage game too. You know, I think that the teams match up pretty well in terms of you look at, you know, Iowa State has got a, a really veteran defense, um, a, a pretty veteran offense. You know, the offensive line is probably the only question mark. And then you look at Oklahoma, they've got that de- their defensive lines playing a lot better. And then they've got a, a younger offense, but just one of the brightest minds, you know, in all of football when it comes to scheming. I was talking with Colin Kennedy from OU Insider last mm-hmm. weekend, and he told me, in his opinion, that, that Iowa State would be the team that scares him most if you're an Oklahoma fan. So that certainly, if it does happen, should be a pretty good football game. Um, in Dallas. Let's take a step back here and talk about the Big 12 for just a second. What's been the biggest surprise to you um, covering Iowa State around the league? A team like Kansas State who maybe you know had some really big games early on this season, now they've dropped four in a row? Um, or is it Iowa State who you're covering? Is it a team like TCU who's just been so bad? Um, what's been the biggest shock to you so far? Mm, I think there are a few. I think what happened, what is happening at Kansas State is absolutely fascinating. Um, the way that they started the year, mm-hmm. losing Skylar Thompson, still you know, still able to win some games there with Will Howard, but then all of a sudden things have just gone off a cliff. Um, and with the coronavirus and with the COVID cases within the program, but I think that's fascinating. I would love to have a, a behind-the-scenes documentary to see what actually is like <laughs> happening. Um, I think TCU is fascinating as well. You know, that team I thought going into the season had some talent on both sides of the ball, especially on defense, but that really hasn't clicked for them. But I actually think Oklahoma State has been maybe the biggest surprise for me Mm -hmm. because going into the year, I saw them as a team that would be pushing for the college football playoff, probably, you know, in position to win the Big 12. I thought that they would be 
I, I picked Oklahoma to win the Big 12. I picked Oklahoma State second, and then I went with Iowa State third. Um, and I just what's happened with them has been so fascinating. Where now all of a sudden, you know, you've got their one of their best tackles just opted out today. You know, Chuba Hubbard missed a game. Um, it's just interesting what's going on there. And of course, the Bedlam game was a debacle in and of itself. Just how uncompetitive Oklahoma State was in that game. Um, I think that team's just been fascinating this year with the, just the highs and lows. And you've seen them perform stellar against a team like Iowa state, where even though if you're from an Iowa state perspective, you leave that Oklahoma state game thinking, Oh, we could have won that game, but Oklahoma state played really, really well against Iowa state. But then you look this past weekend against Texas tech and it just looks like a different team. So I think they've been maybe one of the bigger storylines of the big 12 this season. Just when you take into account, maybe the preseason expectations and then the way that the season's just unfolded for them. With Oklahoma State, I always felt they were a team that just couldn't get over the hump, and I thought that you know this week is is going to be the week that they can you know mm-hmm. finally get that big win. Um, and they won some of those games, but they beat K State by two points. You know they were squeaking by opponents left and right. So I'm with you. Oklahoma State's really kind of um, they haven't lived up to my expectations so far this season. Um, before we let you go, though, uh, 2:30 on ESPN coming up on Saturday, on Saturday. Excuse me. You've got West Virginia traveling to Ames, Iowa, like we've talked about here. What are your predictions for this one? Yeah, I think Iowa State does end up winning it. Um, I've not been – West Virginia is another one of those teams too. I think you could honestly say it about the whole Big 12. I don't think any Big 12 team is really you know, shaken out like people thought preseason. And West Virginia is one of those teams. Um, I, I've not been overly impressed, but they're still a dangerous team with what they can do defensively. I'm just not as convinced of their offense and what you know that side of the ball, what they can do. Um, I, I do think Iowa State wins. I think it ends up being probably a comfortable win. Just because I, right now, Iowa State's just clicking. It feels like in terms of everything going on within the program, it doesn't seem like a letdown spot would even be a possibility just based on, I think, the senior leadership and the way that those guys kind of just grind in terms of week to week. Um, so I do think Iowa State wins. I think it's going to be Iowa State and Oklahoma in the Big 12 title game. Um, in terms of a prediction, I think probably something in like the I think a a 31-17 win for Iowa State against West Virginia sounds about right. Michael, good to talk to you, man. Um, We'll be watching that game on Saturday. Again, ESPN 230 should be a fun one up there in Ames, and hopefully we talk with you soon, and and hopefully we're talking uh, some Big 12 title game previews (laughs) a few weeks down the line, man. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Michael Swain from Cyclone Alert. Be sure to go check him out, everything they do over there. He does a great job. He's working his tail off. Um, If you're subscribed to GoPowerCat.com, you've got access to everything they do as a VIP subscriber, so be sure to head over there if you want anything um, with regards to Iowa State. We'll take a quick break here on the 10 of 12 podcast. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Welcome back in here to the 10 of 12 podcast. I am your host, Ryan Gilbert. We've got three games that we'll be continuing to recap here on today's show. Iowa State and Texas, we just talked about that with Michael Swain. Now we've got Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, Kansas State and Baylor, and TCU and Kansas. They'd be remiss if we didn't mention Oklahoma and West Virginia. They got canceled this last weekend um, due to COVID-19 concerns within the Oklahoma football program. So we'll start it off here, second half of the show, um, talking about uh, Kansas State and Baylor. Um, Kansas State, man, you've got to be very frustrated if you're a K-State fan, and rightfully so. Um, that was a very, I wouldn't say embarrassing loss, but Baylor only picking up their second win of the season. I think you've got the right to be angry if you are a Kansas State football fan. Um, real quick here, second half, we'll also be talking about our power rankings as we do every show here on the 10 of 12 podcast. We'll also be giving a quick preview to each game we've got coming up this weekend in the Big 12 as well, giving you my kind of Vegas um, predictions and in lines and, and what I think about um, the spread and over-under and stuff like that. I don't want to brag at all here, but I think on the Bet On It article that was up on GoPowerCat.com from Friday, I believe I was 7-2 and two in my picks. So, I mean, if you want to take me to Vegas, man, if, if you want me to come along here uh, and win you some money, man, stick with us on GoPowerCat.com every Friday. My article called Bet On It. It drops, and, and, and everyone from Go Power Cat, as well as Riley Gates, a 24-7 sports staff writer, hops on there and gives um, gives a prediction. So just a quick plug there. Let's, let's talk about Kansas State and Baylor, though. Um, like I said, 32-31 the final down there in Waco. Um, and there's a lot of different avenues you can go with this football game as it kind of goes with every K-State game when they lose. Um, there's different people to blame. There's different parts of the game to blame. There's different decisions that you can blame for this one-point loss to Baylor. Um, but I think the, the biggest one for me that I took away from it was was Chris Kleiman's decision. Well, I wouldn't say Chris Kleiman. Uh, you could say it's Courtney Messingham. I don't know whose decision this actually was. So um, the coaching staff's decision, and there's clearly something weird going on um, with Coach Kleiman and Coach Messingham. I don't know what it is, but when asked in his press conference um, right after that Baylor game, you know, someone asked a very fair question um, about the the offense in, in Messingham and this and that decision. I don't remember the exact quote, but Kleiman simply, you, you know, he replied and said, I don't know, you'll have to ask Messingham about it. And that's all he said. So I, I don't know what's going on. I really don't. But clearly, you know, it's not on Messingham, okay? And people, that's the thing. You want to get mad at Messingham. I, I totally get that. He's had some questionable calls. No doubt about that. 100% Messingham 
has been iffy at times this season, okay? Iowa State fans, if you're listening here, you'll know the feeling from when he, you know, got fired from Iowa State. I'm, I'm sure of it. So, you know, it's not all on Messingham, though. At the end of the day, it is head coach Chris Kleiman. It's not, you know, I guess he is head coach, but you, everything does fall back on him at the end of the day. He is the grand poobah of Kansas State football. So if the offense is taking their foot off the gas like we saw against Baylor on Saturday, right? Uh, at the end of the day, that's on Chris Kleiman. If you want to get mad at Messingham's play calling for that, that's 100% okay because I, I think that there is a very, that's a very fair um, you know, criticism to make to Messingham. Sure, I, I get that. Totally. I, I, I really do. But at the end of the day, it is Kleiman's decision. He is in charge of everyone. He's bringing everything together. So I think that at the end of the day, you should be more frustrated actually with Kleiman than you should be with, with Messingham. That's just my take, though. Um, overall, it was a frustrating game all around for Kansas State fans. You've got the referees that were absolutely atrocious. And I tweeted this out. You, you know, I don't want to sound like my seven-year-old self. I, I really don't because I, that's what I did when I was little. Everything is blamed on the refs, which unless you're playing Kansas is not true. If you're playing Kansas in basketball, I, I think that you've got a very, 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 very legitimate argument towards something with regards to officiating in Allen Fieldhouse having an effect on a game. Okay, so, you know, Svi Mikhailuk in, in 20, what was that, 16, 17, when he took 18 steps from half court. Okay, the refs blew the game. They swallowed their whistle. So I don't want to get onto that. But you know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be um, a little kid here and complain about the officiating in this game. But it was terrible. I mean, you have, um, I, I'm blanking on the name here, you have basically a, a Baylor player go up and hit a K-State player, uh, right? And then that K-State player, when he gets hit, falls back. And guess who he hits? He hits a Baylor player. That's a million percent flag <laughs> on the Baylor player. And I wish I had these names here. I, I'm sorry, I don't. He falls back into the Baylor, pl- Baylor player. And then here comes a flag, and it's on Kansas State. I mean, you had a, a 50-50 catch here that goes Baylor's way. You have a 50-50 catch there that goes Baylor's way. You, you know, I'm not even saying that these officials, all they had to do was be consistent, okay? They were bad. If they were consistent both ways and were bad both ways, then I think you're okay with this as a K-State fan. But they were just atrocious. You know, I've seen better officiating here at the K-State rec, Um and that's saying a whole that's a big statement right there because those people do not know the rules of any sport it feels like. So you know, I don't want to blame the loss on the officiating because Kansas State, if they play better, they're gonna win this game by multiple scores. If they coach better, if they have better game management, time management at the end of the game, okay, it's it's very clear that Chris Kleiman is not used to being in a situation um where it's close at the end of the game. He's just not comfortable with that. Okay, you look at North Dakota State. They were winning every game by like 50 points, right? So he was never um, in a situation where he had to manage a clock, um, you know, run a two-minute offense, run, um, you know, when do I call this timeout? When do I, you know, all that all that stuff with, with late game. And a lot of it can't even be, you know, it's it's not something that you can learn on the fly, right? You know, Kleiman's not going to just, oh, let's just call a timeout here or there. He's going to have to have been in those situations for tens of years until it gets instilled into his mind and how he knows how to win, right? So you can certainly criticize Kleiman's, um, you know, time management skills. You can certainly criticize Messingham's play calling. You had the last drive where K-State. So, I mean, let's just talk about it here. K-State was up, what was it, 30, 
31 to 20 or 30. I don't know. It was a two. It was a two-score game, right? I think it was 31-22. Um, two-score game. Kansas State has a very good chance to win this football game, and then they take their foot off the gas, right? You, when you take your foot off the gas, that's when you lose games. Look at Kansas City, um, the, the the Chiefs yesterday um, against the the um, the Buccaneers, right? They let their foot off the gas when they were up big, and they almost lost that game to, to Tom Brady and the Bucks. It's because they took their foot off the gas. Same thing with, with Messingham or Kleiman, whoever you want to blame, even though at the end of the day, I think it should be Kleiman because he is the grand, he's the grand poobah, he's the head coach of this team. Whoever, whoever you want to blame, K-State took their foot off the gas. They had three stupid play calls, and I, I don't want to be one to come on here and spit hot takes. I think I've kind of calmed down over the last month or so. I think I've been good with that. And I'm not even trying to be um, – I'm not trying to reach here for any hot take. I think most Wildcat fans agree with me that those last three play calls <laughs> were stupid by, the, by, by, by K-State's offense, okay? You've got to try to if you get the if you get what two first downs you probably win the game there late in the fourth quarter you give the ball back to Baylor they win on a last second field goal it was just a frustrating game overall from Kansas State I, I mean you've got Will Howard the the first drive of the game for Kansas State um, he throws a pick six and you're buckling up you're saying well here we go this is going to be a long night um, in Waco K State did a tremendous job of of bouncing back they really did. Um, and I think they'd be remiss if I didn't mention the weather in this game. It was a very rainy night in Waco. Not good football weather. Both teams scored over 30 points. They both deserve credit for that. Um, you know, but K-State, they came right back and fired. You know, Malik Knowles had that, that what, 70-some yard touchdown run on the jet sweep. So K-State played, you know, they made some plays to get into this game. But I think there's so much criticism that you are entitled to say after – not only this game, but I would say the last four games that K-State has dropped now that's four in a row after a 4-0 start to conference play. So, you know, you've got, you know, Harry Trotter, I think, deserves a lot more playing time than he's getting. You've got, um, what's his name, Ross Elder. He's just playing really bad, and there's nothing you can do to dispute that. I'm sorry, he he's not playing good. So some of these personnel decisions, I, I'm not a coach. I've never coached in my life. I don't know how hard it is, and I don't know what goes into that. But overall, man, K-State's got to be better. The coaching staff's got to be better. Everyone's got to be better, including Will Howard. You know, it's a combination of everything. I talked about the refs. Okay, K-State shouldn't have had to um, depend on the refs you know, to win this game. They should have won it by a lot more. Baylor's not a good team. I'm really not a fan of, of this Baylor squad. I still have them ranked ninth into my 10 or 12 top 10. We'll talk about that in just a sec. Um, I don't think that's a good team. I mean, if you watch that game on Saturday, I really don't know how you can try to spin it um, and, and, and try to say that Baylor's a top-half team in the Big 12. Okay, they're 2-5 and five now on the season, right? Um, and the announcers were pretty bad, and I don't want to be too critical of Jason Benetti um, simply because they were remote. It's, it's hard. I get that. But they were, I think they were like delayed by a second, maybe half a second. Um, because whenever was there a big play, you know, they were just they were off. So, you know, everything about this game was just crappy weather, officiating, announcing, playing, you know, everything just couldn't come together. Um, you, you look at Baylor though, I've, t- I've talked a lot about Kansas State here. Um, if you take a look at Baylor though, on the season, they've had way too many games where they get down big early and they fail 
to make it a game until the very end of the game. In this game against Kansas State, they were up early, so this wasn't the case. And it, all, it, it also wasn't the case against Iowa State. They got off to a big lead in that game as well. But, you know, you look at some of these games, I think it was Texas Tech and, and maybe Texas. Um, you know, I think the Texas game, and they were down, maybe TC. I think it was Texas and TCU. I could be wrong on those two. They were down, you know, I don't know, 30-3 to three in both of those games. And, of course, they lose it by 10 or you know six points or something like that. But they weren't competitive in those games. So I'm not a fan of getting on board with Baylor in this season. I think they really, really, really miss Matt Rule a lot more than they think. Not to criticize Aranda, you know, and what he's doing, but I think Baylor's just kind of taken a, a huge step back. We knew it would be bad. I didn't think it'd be this bad, excuse me, for Baylor um, this season. That's pretty much all that we've got to talk about with K-State and Baylor. You've got every right in the world, if you're a K-State fan, to be frustrated. My only advice, my only, um, you know, words of wisdom to you, if you're a Wildcat fan, just sit back. This is the COVID year. Odds are you told yourself back in August, hey, this year doesn't matter. If they go 0-10, it's the COVID year. You know, let them play football. I guarantee you, if you're listening to this, and I'm the same way, the exact same way, I was just saying, you know, back in August, hey, if we get football, I'm happy. I don't care if they even win a game. I'm happy. So I I think it's great. Browsing through Twitter, you know, during the games, going on Wabash Station, going on the discussion boards, it's awesome. I love the passion. I love how much K-State fans care about their football team. You, you know, I, I love it. I, I love it. Seriously, it's, it's so good to see, um, you know, a, a fan base come together to one common, um, I don't know, goal, which is winning the football game. I don't think that's the right way to say that. One common interest, I don't know, because we've got a lot of, of stuff going on in our world, whether that's politics, COVID, you know, this and that. There's a lot of things that we can disagree on. But when you're a K-State fan, everyone comes together, and I love to see that. I love the passion. I love the fire. You know, I, I love everything about it. But just take a step back because you've got to remind yourself that, hey, this is the COVID year. Um, if you, We're playing. That's, I mean, we're not the Big Ten, right? We've, we've gotten to play. If you're a K-State fan, you, you've gotten to see, um, well, so far you've gotten nine games, and you've got one left against Texas and probably a bowl game. Um, if that happens, knock on wood. We'll, 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 we'll switch gears here and talk about Oklahoma State, Texas Tech. Um, 32-31, like I said, the final as Baylor um, squeaks by K-State on the last second field goal. 50-44, um, to 44, though. However, the final down there in Stillwater. This one, I don't have a whole lot to say about it just because my words don't do it justice to describe how fun this game was. I mean, this was an absolute shootout. Like I said here, um, a few minutes back, I, I predicted, you know, on my betting article that this is going to be a shootout and the over-under was like 54 or something. It's like, what the hell? I mean, if you have a brain and you've been watching either Texas Tech or Oklahoma, I would bet the over on 70. I mean, seriously. So I don't get what Vegas saw in the under. Um, it was an easy hit there. I think Texas Tech was kind of iffy to cover the spread, but they still did it as well. So... You know, I like what Texas Tech did. I don't know if I love the play calling a few times by Wells, the onside kick that got recovered for a touchdown, um, I guess ran back for a touchdown. You know, it was literally just boom. Um, An onside kick return for a touchdown, which isn't something we see a whole lot in football. And then we saw that, um, I'm recording this on the Monday here, we saw that yesterday 
in the NFL, and I can't remember which game it was, but it's like, wow, I, I see this, you know, twice in two days, and I've never seen it like my whole life. So, you know, you, know, you had the crazy plays, you had the pick six in there. Um, it was back and forth, you know, I don't know how many touchdowns Sir Roderick Thompson had that were like at least 50-yard runs, but he was breaking it loose. You know, Tylen Wallace did what he did. But I think the biggest takeaway from this game is the fact that without L.D. Brown and more importantly without Chuba Hubbard, Oklahoma State was still able to not only win the game but do it while establishing a solid run game on the ground as well. Um, you know, I think it speaks volumes to how Mike Gundy can really, you know, get the best out of his players given a situation. You know, I don't think that, it, you know, it goes without saying here that, that Spencer Sanders is not 100% healthy. He played 19 for 30, 222 yards, so he, he played. But, you know, Desmond Jackson came in 36 carries, 235 yards for, you know, and, and three touchdowns. So, uh, you know, that's crazy. I, I don't even, I'll be honest here, Desmond Jackson, who in the hell is this guy until... Until Saturday, he came out, he proved a point, um, and that's a good a good looking running back there for Oklahoma State. You've got Texas Tech's Roderick Thompson, like I said, seven, only 17 carries though, 133 yards, two touchdowns. So you know it was kind of just a crazy game overall in Stillwater. Um, and you know, really, me talking about We've it been does not um, do it justice. And I do apologize about um, ESPN deciding to blare in an advertisement right there. Um, I think that's pretty much all that I do have for that game. You know, really, that go watch the highlights on YouTube if you really want the the, the full experience um, for that game. I mean, it, it doesn't do it like I said, doesn't do it justice for me just explaining it here um, into a microphone. I mean, it was only seven seven after the first quarter, so you know it was kind of slow for a little bit, but it really did pick up. Um, you know, Texas Tech was down uh, multiple scores here late in the game. They made it a six point game, had a chance to come back, but they didn't. They didn't get the ball back. So you know, overall fun game. Oklahoma State's title hopes are still alive. They're going to need an Oklahoma loss, um, but but Texas Tech. I mean, they're playing football and they're not giving up on the season. That was a very competitive game against Oklahoma State for the Red Raiders. Um, last game here that, that we're going to talk about here real quickly, TCU in Kansas, 59-23 to was the final. Um, I don't know how long it took TCU to reach 24 points, but it was within the first like five or ten minutes of that game where TCU was running away with it. I mean, Kansas kind of hung around a little bit here. I think it was like 45-23, I think was maybe one of the scores at one point in the game later on in, you know, in the second half. So KU... Of course, they didn't win. Don't think they ever had a chance to win. You know, we saw McVitie come back into the game. We saw Kendrick. You know, they were switching off there. Um, they didn't really, you know, have a real chance to win this game. Let's, let's be real. But they hung around. They, I mean, they scored 23 points, which I think if you are, um, you know, a KU fan, that's the, the, that's the, the, the brightest um, shining thing that you can take away, you know, from that game. Um Overall, though, it's KU football. I don't know what else really we were expecting. If you're a Jayhawk fan, if you're a TCU fan, I mean, you're four and four, which is really just kind of weird to say because TCU doesn't feel like a four and four team. They've picked up a very good win against Texas, but then at the same time, you know, they they do have four losses, and it doesn't feel like they're actually four and four. They've struggled a lot this season. It's the COVID year. Gary Patterson, I think, I think his career is kind of on the downturn. Um, just a little bit. So we've got those four games. I think that's pretty much all we've got for Kansas TCU. Um, so those were the four games we had from Saturday. Of course, like I said, 
Um, Oklahoma, West Virginia was canceled due to COVID-19. So we'll move on here to the 10 of 12 top 10 and kind of go over my rankings, um, explaining the teams, um, as, you know, kind of giving my reasons as to why I have each team where they are. Oklahoma, they're still up there at number one. I don't think that changes. Um, you know, they're going to play Baylor here. Don't think it changes even after this week. Um, I, I see a very comfortable win for the Sooners. Um, you've got Iowa State at number two, and then Oklahoma State at number three, okay? And I know Texas, you know, that win over Texas for Iowa State, excuse me, was that, that's a big one, right? And I think you've got to be very impressed if you're watching that game. But like I talked about with Michael, there was a, a few iffy calls by Herman. You know, Texas had more total yards than Iowa State, I think. A play here, a play there. Texas could have won this game by double digits. You know, obviously I think they were dumb calls by Herman like we talked about. But if if Herman, if those gambles pay off when he rolled the dice in the second half on fourth down, they're going to they're gonna win that game, period. You know, I don't know by how much, but we're not going to be talking about an Iowa State win. We'd be talking about a Texas win here on the podcast. So I think you got a good win if you're, if you're Iowa State, but I think you're still a little skeptical in my mind. Um, just because you had to kind of rely on Tom Herman being Tom Herman. I think it's only a matter of time before he's out of there at Texas. I think he gets a tad bit, I'm just saying a tad bit, a tad bit too much criticism um, at his job. But at the end of the day, it, it's, it's very simple here. This is Texas football. The standard isn't even going, you know, 8-4, and 9-3. and three. The standard is, oh, 10-2, and 11-1. So, you know, Longhorn fans are just too restless. I think it's only a matter of time before he's out the door. Um, so I still like Iowa State at two, despite the big win. I think Oklahoma, Iowa State, if they meet right now at this moment, Oklahoma would get the win, and that's kind of the, the basis of uh, you know that's kind of the basis of these rankings. If they're all going to play this week, who would who would win? That's pretty much how I would rank these teams. So I've got OU at one, Iowa State two, Oklahoma State three, as they you know squeaked by Texas Tech. Um, I like West Virginia actually jumping Texas at number four. West Virginia's been a very quality team over the last month or so, and I don't think that many people were expecting them to be as good as they are. It's it's year number two for Neil Brown. He's playing some good football. I've got them jumping. Um, I've got them. Pardon me, jumping Texas simply because Texas lost. It's not necessarily anything they did because, like I said, that game against Oklahoma was postponed, so you know, literally nothing happened, but. I like I like West Virginia at number four. Texas is at number five. I think that they're a middle of the pack Big Twelve team. TCU at number six. I know I just kind of talked about how I feel like they've been doing bad this year, which is very true. They've looked pretty bad in some games, but I think that team is finally getting um, things to click here. Um, I don't. I wouldn't say clicking, but they won a game. They're four and four. You know, I think if you're a TCU fan, you're saying, "Dang, we're." Whoa, we're four and four. You know, I think a usual TCU year, if you're four and four, singing ah, we're four and four, darn it. But this year, I think you're opt- you're you're thankful. <laughs> you know, we just had Thanksgiving. You're thankful if you're four and four because it's kind of been a bad season for TCU football overall. I like them at number six. Um, I think Texas Tech remains put there at number seven. I came really, really, really close to having them go up to number six following that very strong performance against um, against Oklahoma State. But at the end of the day, I really just couldn't get myself to do it. I mean, if, you, if you've watched Texas Tech, I don't know how you can put them at number six in the Big 12. So TCU 6, I think they've 
Got a better argument than Texas Tech. I like the, the Red Raiders at number seven. Down here at number eight is Kansas State. Um, yeah, number eight. I just said that. And they're four and four, but that team was four and oh to start off conference play. So the only teams that I think K State could beat as of right now are Baylor and Kansas. If they play Baylor again, I think they would beat them because, like I said, Will Howard doesn't throw a pick six. You know, the refs are fair. You know, Messingham's maybe has a moment to think about his his play calling. The weather's not bad. I think K-State would beat Baylor again if they played. I think seven, eight times out of ten, I would pick K-State in that game. So that's why I've got them ahead of Baylor. Um, you know, a 4-4 four and four team down at number eight, I mean, is shocking. But if you've looked at the way Texas Tech has played, I know they're only, what, two and six in the Big 12. They've played better over the last month. There's no doubt about it. You know, Columbia, you know, we had the quarterback situation with Texas Tech during that K-State game when when Bowman got hurt. So it's really just a I think that at the end of the day, Texas Tech, pardon me, would beat Kansas State if they played again. Right now, today, what is it, November, you know, 30 31st whatever. I think Texas Tech would win. So I got K-State at 8. I think that this is not a good team anymore. I think that they really were riding high and they're back down to earth and then even below underground a little bit. We'll see if they can dig their way out of it um, against Texas, but I want K-State at number eight at this point in time. Baylor at number nine, simply because I think that they wouldn't beat K-State if they played again. And then KU, number 10, nothing new to report down there at the bottom. So, you know, overall, the top three teams um, do not change. Um, however, the you know, like I said, the bottom teams there, there is a, a significant amount of movement there um, in our 10 of 12 top 10. Um, like I said here, we'll go back down the line. We'll go up the line here. Uh, KU at 10, uh, Baylor at 9, K-State at 8. You got Texas Tech at 7, TCU at 6, Texas dropping down to number 5. West Virginia hops up to number 4. You got Oklahoma State at 3, Iowa State 2, OU at 1. Those top three teams do not change from last week. We'll go ahead and preview um, these games that we've got coming up here in the Big 12 Conference. We've got Texas and Kansas State, 11 a.m. on Fox. Another 11 a.m. Uh, pardon me, 11 a.m. game on ESPN2 is Oklahoma State and TCU. You guessed it, another 11 a.m. game. Texas Tech hosts Kansas, FS2. That game is um, going to be networked, I think, the first time this year, at least in conference play, that a game will be played on FS2. And then you've got 230, a little primetime action, ESPN. you got West Virginia. Um, traveling to Ames, Iowa to play Iowa State. And then you've got the game on Fox at 7 o'clock Central, Baylor and Oklahoma down there in Norman. Um, we'll go down the line here, Texas and Kansas State. Um, the line currently favors Texas at nine points. And this one is is very, I, I think it's a good line. I mean, I think K-State has a chance to hang around and keep this a close game. I know that a lot of people, you know, around Go Power Cat and stuff are saying, hey, it's a cold weather team um, coming up north. It's going to be cold. It's freaking cold as crap today here in Manhattan as I'm recording this. It's going to be cold at 11 a.m. There's no doubt about that. And Texas probably won't like that playing in, in the cold weather. Um, you know, and not just that it's a cold weather team and that they're, you know, they're practicing and they're going to school in, te- you know, in Austin, Texas, right? It's, it's not just that. It's that most of these guys are from... Texas are from, you know, Alabama, Georgia, you know, they're from the South. So they're not 
you know, ever used to the cold weather, not just being at Texas, but just their whole lives. So I think that, that that's definitely a positive for Kansas State. Um, but at the end of the day, I think Texas wins this game. But I think it, it's definitely interesting to look into here. You've got Texas who their season's done. I mean, they could go to a bowl game and play in, in, in whatever, but their season's done. They're 4-3. and three, Their Big 12 title hopes are you know, out the door. So same thing with Kansas State. Their season's done as well. They're 4-4. Four and four. It's been a disaster over the last month. And I think it, it ultimately comes down to um, which teams, you, you know, players want to play for their coaches. It's as simple as that, okay? Because it, this is the last game of the season, right? I know. So Texas has one more game after it. So I think it's against KU, right? So Texas has one more game after this, but it's, it's against KU. So essentially that team could check out, right? You know, even if they go 6-3, and three, that's, that's not going to get them into the Big 12 title game um, in all likelihood. K-State, they're 4-4. Four and four. They've got essentially nothing to play for. It really boils down to who do you think, um, you know, which group of guys wants to play for their head coach more? And I think that is Kansas State. I, I really do. I think that Chris Kleiman's got a lot more he's, – he's, I, I don't think that his players are as frustrated as they might be as with Texas players with Tom Herman, right? So I think Chris Kleiman definitely has the up there on on Tom Herman in Texas, but at the end of the day, you look at the talent on the field. I I, I kind of like to be a little critical of Sam Ellinger here on the podcast. Um, if this is your first time listening, I'm not an Ellinger fan. I, I don't hate Ellinger, but I don't think he's that good. But certainly, he's better than Will Howard, right? So I think Texas has a little too much. Asai on the defensive side of the football is a good player. I think that the Longhorns will get this done against Kansas State. They just don't have enough. You know, firepower. We say it all the time here on the show. You stop Deuce Vaughn, you stop Kansas State. It's not a tough code to crack. I think that, that, that Kansas State's not going to be able to compete with Texas. Um, as far as the spread, though, man, that's honestly kind of a coin flip. I think K-State's got a good chance to cover, so I'd probably rock with them, but I, I don't see them winning this game outright. But at nine points, of course, like I said, we record this on a Monday, so that is subject to change, as with all of these lines. Um, so... Yeah, I think K-State's going to cover. I don't think they win. I think Texas gets the win. But I, I, it's, it, it's, it's, it's up to you. Seriously, this is kind of your, I'm, I'm leaving this for you to think about. It's up to you. Do you think that Chris Kleiman has more respect of his players or Tom Herman? It, it, it really boils down to that. If you think it's Tom Herman, you're betting Texas all the way here because they want to play for their coach when this game doesn't matter. If you think it's Kansas State, when this game doesn't matter, you think that, you know, guys like White Hubert, you know, that comes to mind um, that really want to play for Kleiman, um, it, it, it's your decision, man. So it, it's whoever you think, whoever the better head coach is um, as far as managing a locker room, so to speak, is who you should be betting on in this game. You've got Oklahoma State and TCU here, like I said, 11 a.m. on ESPN2. Um, the line is not here on ESPN, so I'll have to... Um, do a little digging for this one, but uh, you know I think Oklahoma State's going to win this game. I don't know if there's many people out there that think TCU's going to win. I think TCU's got a chance to keep it close, um, no doubt about that. But Oklahoma State, and, and I kind of talked about this with Michael for just a sec, right? This does happen a lot with Oklahoma State, so I will be fair. Um, you know, Oklahoma State, 
it's it's so tempting to buy into that team, and then they just don't perform as well as you think they would. You know, against Texas Tech, we saw it. They only win by six points, right? We saw them only beat, um, you know, Kansas by, um, pardon me, Kansas State by two points. We saw them beat, I think they beat West Virginia by two touchdowns, but the Mountaineers had more yards than them in that game, right? We saw them against Oklahoma. They struggled. So Oklahoma State's definitely struggled, okay? There's no doubt about that, right? TCU, however, um, I've kind of said all I have to say about this team. They're 4-4. Four and four. Gary Patterson's struggling. Um, you know, so I don't know what else there is to say about that team. Um, the Cowboys, I think, get the win, but be cautious, um, you know, of this team just because they are banged up. We don't know if if Sanders will be healthy. I'm sure he'll play. We don't know if he'll be healthy. We don't know if Hubbard or Brown at running back um, will be back. So I think that's just there's a lot of things to keep an eye on um, if you're looking at this game, right? It's currently only at like two points for Oklahoma State. If you're looking at, depending on your bookie, one and a half, two, um, opened at three. So, I mean, I think you've got to roll with, with Oklahoma State here. If the line is only a couple points, I really like Oklahoma State to win this game by more than that. Um, I'm not totally confident in it, but, you know, I, I, like I said, I had to kind of find that line there. Um, I would have thought this was going to be at least a double-digit um, line. You know, it's not that TCU's bad. It's just that I'm once again here putting my trust into Oklahoma State. So I think that they can cover that. Um, I think that they get it done. Um, not totally confident in that you know Oklahoma State's still playing for something whereas TCU is not so that's kind of what that game kind of boils down to for me we've got Oklahoma State TCU I like the Cowboys there 11 a.m on ESPN2 on FS2 also at 11 a.m um, I, I think Kansas man they're they haven't won against the spread okay depending on your bookie they won one game against the spread and that was West Virginia on the road in Morgantown, it currently sits at 27 and a half. Um, I'm done with Kansas. I'm done betting on them. Texas Tech, Kansas hasn't proved that they can compete and cover. So I think Texas Tech is finally kind of getting over that hump that they wish they would have gotten over earlier on in the year. I think Texas Tech covers it. Um, and this is kind of the toilet bowl. Not much else needs to be said about this one. 2.30 on ESPN. You've got West Virginia and Iowa State. Um, I, I'm going with Michael here. I believe he said, what, 31-17, something in that in that neck of the woods. I think that it's going to be a double-digit win for Iowa State. However, I'm not a, I'm not 100% comfortable with it um, just because West Virginia has shown that they can play with some good teams. For sure they can. Um, but Iowa State, seven points. Give me them by a touchdown. I like what Brees Hall can do. I like what you know Brock Purdy can do at quarterback, so I'm not fully confident. I think that they definitely can win this game, no doubt about that. But as far as the spread goes, I'm a little iffy. I'm a little nervous, but I think Iowa State can cover um, seven points at home, keep in mind, against West Virginia. This one's out in Morgantown. They're set back an hour um, heading out east you know, on the East Coast. I get that. I think that there's a very legitimate claim to make this a seven-point line. However, it's not. It's in Ames. They're playing on the grass field. I like Iowa State to cover this one by at least seven points. You know, talking, I was talking with some K-State players here. You know, it's just ridiculous how bad that 
that, that, that grass is in Ames, Iowa. Oh, it's just grass. But, I mean, after you get used to playing on turf, it's like night and day, just a difference um, playing on grass makes. So last game we've got here, 7 o'clock on Fox, the big primetime game that the Bears will be playing in um, up against Oklahoma. 22 points for the Sooners. Give me um, all my money on Oklahoma. I think they win this game by you know, 30, 40 points. And my reasoning kind of going into this is that, hey, like I said earlier, Baylor's not that good. Oklahoma's playing the best football out of anyone in the Big 12. And I think that if you're a betting man, um, you're confident in – I wouldn't say confident here. You are – how do I word it here? And this is something that I do. You know, the recency bias here. Um, people really – and this is not something you should do, um, you know, if you're a sports better, Do not put emphasis on a game prior. So Baylor just beat Kansas State, right? Everyone's going to be saying, oh, Baylor's got things rolling again down there in Waco. They're going to be good. They're going to come out firing. They're going to be within 22 points. They're going to cover the spread, yada, yada, yada. No, that's not how it works, okay? If a team's lost five games in a row, then yeah, I'm not going to be confident in them. Or if they've won five games in a row in very dominant fashion, I'm going to be very confident in that team, right? But one game does not, you know, define anything, right? It doesn't. So just because, let's say, you know, Iowa State got a win over Texas, I'm not fully, or even let's say a blowout win. And I guess TCU in Kansas is a very bad example simply because it's TCU in Kansas. Like that's a world of difference between those two teams. So, you know, if if, if Kansas goes out and wins um, that game against TCU, that line's going to shrink a lot for the Jayhawks, even though if you've been watching them the entire year, you know they're not good. So you can't let the previous game, and that's what the bookies do. They know people like to bet. It's the recency bias. Um, I think that 22 points is that's that's a steal right here for Oklahoma. I think that they cover that game by at least 30 points, and they've done that um, a lot this season. They blew out Oklahoma State. They blew out, you know, um, of course they blew out Kansas. I think they won that game by 50, 60 points. You know, they were able to beat, um, you know, Texas Tech by a crap ton on Halloween. You know, they blew out TCU. They're blowing out their opponents now after the tough losses to Iowa State and Kansas State. I love Oklahoma. Don't let the Bears' performance from last week trick you. I'm so, I'm very confident that Oklahoma is going to get this done by at least three touchdowns. Um, I think that they can get out to a three-touchdown lead before halftime even hits. Um, Baylor's not a good team. I can't emphasize that enough. They do not impress me with what I see, you know, on the field from that Bear team. Um, Oklahoma, all the way here. Don't let last week um, encourage you at all with Baylor. Um, I like Oklahoma to cover that game again. Seven o'clock on Fox down there in Norman. That'll pretty much wraps thing, uh, wrap things up here for the ten of twelve podcast again. I kind of like K State. I kind of like. Oklahoma State. I kind of like Texas Tech. I kind of like uh, Iowa State, but I'm super confident in Oklahoma. Those are my kind of spread picks for this week. Oklahoma um, is certainly the pick of the week within the Big 12 Conference. Keep an eye out on um, on Friday as the as, as the betting article. Uh, bet on it on GoPowerCat.com. We'll be dropping. Um, you'll get everyone's um, thoughts and opinions. Zach Carlson hasn't lost a bet yet. He's 4-0 on the article since I started doing that about a month ago. 
Um, you'll get Fitz, our publisher. You'll get Ron Wallace, our recruiting nut, or I guess our, our, our football nut. He does a lot of recruiting as well, but our football nut, you'll get you'll get me, Riley Gates, Michael Goins. You'll get all, all the guys there on Go Power Cat. Um, so, some nice predictions for this upcoming weekend in the Big 12 Conference. It, it honestly should be a lot of fun here. I don't think I've mentioned that once, and I feel like I always mention that, oh, this is going to be fun. But, I mean, we've got five games, knock on wood here. Um, if none of these get canceled, that K-State-Texas game will be competitive. Oklahoma-TCU, pardon me, Oklahoma State-TCU, I think that's competitive. Um, and I think West Virginia-Iowa State, we got lucky here. This is the one game that's on at 2.30, so you don't have to worry about checking the other scores in the league. You don't have to worry you know, about what other games are going on at the same time. We've got West Virginia-Iowa State 2.30 on ESPN. That one will be a lot of fun up there in Ames, Iowa. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at 10 of 12 podcast. I'd appreciate that very much. Um, thanks again, you know, Michael Swain from Cyclone Alert for hopping on the show. It was great to talk with him. I'm sure that you will hear his name um, on this show many times here in the future. Um, other than that, I, I wish you the best of days here. And, you know, we're kind of approaching the new year. You know, a vaccine is on its way. I'm hoping things will kind of return to normal here sooner rather than later. Um, you know, I hope everyone has a great day. You know, we've got a great weekend of Big 12 football coming up. Certainly excited about that. As always, I appreciate you listening here, whether it's on Spotify, iTunes, you know, you can get it wherever your podcasts are found. Um, if you're on Go Powercat, if you're on the original feed, um, you know, for those who don't know, I've been doing this podcast for almost two years now. So I, I have my own little feed that I do it on and it still gets published on GoPowerCat.com as well. Um, I feel like I've been talking for a lot longer than I should have. <laughs> so I'll let you guys go. We'll catch you next week. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the 10 of 12 podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.